my name is Brian Martin and you are listening to episode six of season two of the Running Technique Tips podcast. And I'm now joined from very warm Sydney by my co-host, Lisa Biffin. How are you going, Lisa? Well, I'm back in Sydney. I'm back into the reality of life and, uh, yeah, my three-week glorious holiday is over. So um, I'm actually feeling pretty good, though. It was quite a nice rest, exactly what I needed. Excellent. And now you're back to reality, of which I would argue reality is overrated. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? So I returned to work this week and... You know, whilst you're away, it's so nice you can get up at any time. You're not having to rush children off to daycare or school or what have you and then fight traffic to get into an office. And even just afternoon, you know, if you don't feel like running at a particular time, you can go at another time and it's just like the constant snacks that you can have and <sighs> life is just it's really simple, actually. I, I must admit, I think I quite like that simplicity. So, um, well, why don't we just do that all the time? Oh, no. oh I know it's um, it's a bit of a oh, I don't know. It's a battle, isn't it? This mm. Western sort of life that we've got for ourselves. With if only we were trust fund babies, we oh. could afford to live like that all the time. <laughs> oh, maybe my next life, because this life certainly hasn't granted me with that. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> oh, dear. But um, now, look, I'm back into routine, which is actually something that I do crave and I do enjoy as well and sort of getting my head back into the game a little bit more of back into running because, you know, we've spoken a bit over the break and I've definitely been training but I just couldn't quite get motivated to, I don't know, put myself out there for anything. But I think the motivation is returning with a bit of routine. Hang on a second. You have put yourself out there because you put a time on the board the first time of our January to March 5K challenge um, in a 3K track race very recently. Yeah, I did. And let's just talk about it now, actually. 11 minutes and 12 seconds is not messing around for for first up effort. So first of all, well done. And yes, I am very worried. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Do you know, I was actually really pleased. So I, my thought was around, I I was aiming to run 11 minutes and this was, I will say that it was, I still did as a training run. I actually did 18 Ks in the end that day because I did an easy heart rate run in the morning, a long warm up into the 3K and then I did a long cool down. But it was also, I just, I didn't want to completely kill myself and open myself up to injury or, you know, something silly and I actually hadn't even been in that three minute 40 range even in training for I'm going to say a couple of years so I've slowly watched my K's decrease so I think it was 401 pace I was doing in that 5k park run and then I went to 354 pace the following week and then this ended up as 344 pace and really off zero speed work so I think we were chatting couple of weeks earlier and I was commenting on your previous 5k training and how you didn't really implement that really hardcore top end speed like I had been and how it actually had worked for you and I'm sort of following a similar thing now and, and seeing not quite as good results yet but it's still early on. Doing doing really well yeah especially given it sounds like the weather was pretty hot. Do you know what? It was so hot. And I know that I say that I like the heat, which I do, but there's something about being on a track. You're so exposed. There is no shade. There is, you know, barely any wind that's helpful. You know, there's either a a headwind, which you get really annoyed about, or the tailwind. You don't feel it. You just feel like you're burning up. It would have been 35 degrees. So we got in the car uh, and we were down in Jeringong, which is by the coast, and looked at the temperature of the car, which said 30 degrees. And the race was sort of inland a little bit and on a track. So, yeah, I honestly think it was about 35 degrees. That is very warm. It is very warm. That that would have melted me, I'm sure. <laughs> it would have just been a little pool of brine melted into the track. <laughs> well, I was doing my strides and I didn't feel that hot doing the warm-up because I didn't do it around the track, sort of ran around the parks and it was shaded and I thought, oh, this is pretty nice. But then I jumped onto the track to just do some sort of activation exercises and some strides and just that intense heat 
and the tartan sort of reflecting back up at your face. I thought, this is so hot. I am I am actually going to die here. So I ran back and threw on a hat. I don't often run in a hat, but I actually think it was quite a good call because it gave me just the tiniest bit of reprieves. But uh yeah, so not not great conditions if you were trying to run a PB, which I wasn't. I um, was really pleased though with with how it worked out, how I executed the race, and and as you described it to me via text message, I was I was just really intrigued by the pacing strategy employed by the other girls in the race, as opposed to the one that you employed, because you seem to be able to uh, run the event very evenly. And it sounds like you were you and I saw it in the video that you sent me. You were you were a fair way last through the, the first few laps of that race, but you ended up finishing fourth out of about a dozen girls. Would that yeah, be right? Yeah, I finished fifth out of fifteen so, in the end. So um, I actually ran the race solo the entire time. So it was it pretty much was a time trial. So <laughs> it was a time trial. Yeah, <laughs> I was dead last for. And for about 600 metres, then passed one girl and then I was second last up until four laps to go and then um, there was a group of it would have been then nine girls and I thought, oh, this this will be nice. Like I'll just I'll settle in, just get relaxed, find a rhythm and then I really wanted to see if I could work down quite strongly over the last two laps, breaking it down into basically four by 200. And so I jumped into the middle of this group and I nearly tripped over about three times because it wasn't that I was increasing in pace because if you go through my splits, I ran 340, 346 and 346. So um, I was just even, but they were decelerating at <laughs> such a rapid rate that I was honestly tripping over their feet. In the end, I just jumped out, ran wide, ran around them, and then basically did then the, the last 1,500 metres solo. So I had a friend or a bunch of friends for 100 metres. <laughs> it's fascinating because, you know, especially given you your first K was your quickest uh, and then you stuck to a nice even 346 after that. Like how quickly did the other girls go off? Like they must have run the first K in um, well under 3.30 for a lot of runners who are probably not going to break 12 minutes. Yeah. No, it's, it was really interesting and it's a really good lesson, I think, especially for the juniors. And I'll be honest, I was the oldest in the race by 16 years. <laughs> <laughs> You've <laughs> become wiser and experienced, Lisa. Uh, it was me versus the under 20s. And yep. so, you know, I, I've been running for a very long time and uh, I was one of those young girls once upon a time who basically got caught up with, um, I don't know whether you want to call it gun fever. Uh, the gun goes and you just you just sprint you any mm. thoughts of you know your own tactics or your own race or you probably haven't even thought about it you know I certainly hadn't thought about it at that age and it's like run as hard as you can and just see how you go and I can count on you know my hand a few times over how many times that ended up poorly <laughs> uh, so I'd, I'd seen the who was running at the start of the race and had my, my coach was actually there and he even said to me make sure you're last at, you know, the first 200 metres. And I said, I don't even need to make sure I'm last. I know that I'm going to be last. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so it was more of a, I think, an experience thing that had that had kicked in, but also a bit of a confidence because if anyone wants to look at the video that we're talking to, we put it on both our Facebook and our Instagram page and it's the video of the race coming through the first 200 metres and I am probably, I'm going to say I'm 50 metres behind. Um, you were a fair way off the back of the last runner. I don't know if it was 50 metres, but you, you oh, were, the, you were a good way first. off. Yeah, so off the sort oh, of that, the that pack, yeah. I reckon yeah. I would have been 50 metres and maybe about yeah. 10 metres behind the last runner. So, yeah. you know, to be dead last in a group of 15 people by such a long way, it, look, it, it can be quite daunting and it's yeah. very easy to sort of think, what have I done? I'm going to be running on my own the whole way. But... You know, I had my watch on and I saw that I went three and 43 seconds and you just do a quick sum and you think, well, that's that's like a 10, 1040. Yes, that's <laughs> um, right. So either I'm on for an absolute cracker and I'm in a race full of just junior champions um, or there's, there's some incorrect pacing happening. It does surprise me how often that happens because it just, it just seems to me to be such a, a basic common sense thing that an even pace 
over the course of these shorter events like 3K or 5K is just super important and the number of times you see people going backwards as they did in your race and, yeah, I've done it too over the years. Um, it's just really surprising. You know, coaches or parents or other supporters just don't give that little bit of advice just to kind of check your splits, especially in the first sort of 200, 400 metres and make sure you're not cooking yourself and ruining what could otherwise be a much better performance and, and certainly a more enjoyable performance. Yeah, well, as I said, I went through in 43 seconds. The The first bunch of girls run through in 34 seconds. Wow. And, I don't think I could oh, do that once. <laughs> I, I actually, uh, yeah, probably about, I could see the, the clock as I was coming down the straight and I was watching it and I, I'm sure if there was footage of me further up the street, you actually would have seen me laughing because I yep. saw that time and that was the exact thought that I had in my head. I thought I actually could not run that if I had spikes yep. <laughs> and that was all I was doing was 200 at the moment and that was there, the first 200 but, you know, even a couple just in front of me went through well under 40 seconds and, you know, I was fifth in 11.12 so, you know, the times that tailed off after me were you know, mid to high 11s and even some over 12. So those times are not representative of the need to run a mid 30 second uh, first 200. Mm. And um, and the other thing too, it was so hot out there. So, you know, the chances of a really fast run, I guess, were lowered because of the conditions. They were really tough conditions and also being such young girls, quite you know, dangerous conditions mm. in a way to, to be running in. So I think it was really quite silly in a way to be going out so hard. And I said I was still last over 400 and my 400 split. I think I ran a 43 and then a 44 second for my next 200. You know, these girls would have been going through in 70 second 400s. That's, yeah. that, that's quite insane in those conditions knowing that, you know, not only – like your core body temperature is going to get hotter yeah. as you're out there and then you're also struggling anyway because you're testing your body and yeah. I might just touch on it quickly and we'll get into it a bit further like you know now Elevated that I've got heart my, rate. yes now that I've got my amazing <laughs> um, heart rate monitor on my wrist well my heart rate went through the roof it was at 206 max heart rate which is a totally different topic for you know for me that I need to go and look at but I imagine if we were graphing other runners in that race that uh, there would have been a lot of elevated heart rates too. So uh, I think so, yeah. Um, and so your average heart rate though for the for the entire race was nowhere near that, wasn't it? No, no, no. So um, interesting thing to talk about my heart, I think, at one stage, but uh, I'm just pulling it up now. My heart rate spiked at that 206 which it, it just yeah. you know technically shouldn't be uh, possible yeah. but um, how, how does it mine doesn't go that fast i'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah i'm not sure so it peaked at that when i was running my slowest so it was my slowest moving pace at 354 yeah. and then and then it dropped as i started to move quicker mm. it's i'm not really sure it's a very very bizarre thing my heart rate but anyway my average heart rate was 163 that's that's a more reasonable number for for that kind of um, yeah. performance for you, I think. Yeah, no, exactly. So, um, but look, overall, personally, really, really pleased. Was a really nice confidence boost for like the pacing element, and also I felt so strong that I honestly felt like I could have run on to five k at still holding that you know that sort of mid three forty pace, which. Yeah. If I put that time on the board, like I would honestly be ecstatic. I know that it doesn't surpass your PB, but um, wouldn't be too far away. It, I think, it works out to be maybe an eighteen forty. Mm. Uh, so you know, you've, you've still got a good minute in the bag. But do you know what? If I run that, like I honestly would be blown away. But if you're running this kind of pace now with a, a little bit more time and training and some more strength and all of that kind of stuff, you'd be expect that your 5k challenge run in March especially would be significantly faster I think yeah on a, on a per kilometer basis and I think if I continue to implement this um 
you know, smart pacing strategy and, you know, it was really nice to feel that strength kick in at the end. You know, there was certainly no finishing kick uh, (laughs) that I've got at the moment, nor am I trying to get, but it was just a really nice feeling to have that strength from such a a big sort of endurance period, uh, which is something I've never felt before when I've sort of been running on the track. Most of the time I've been running off just sheer speed and guts. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, all around, it was it was a really fun, enjoyable time, and I certainly finished and thought, you know, I'm feeling pretty motivated now. That's good, and uh, I'm just really scratching my head and wondering what, if anything, I'll be able to do <laughs> off my very different preparation. Um, how how will my run walking stack up in terms of a base fitness building mechanism? And yeah, what could what could I? reasonably expect to run for a for a 3k to get at least somewhere near you i I don't think i'll be able to run that quickly i I think that would be unreasonable at this point but i've kind of got a vague suspicion that i might actually do better than what you would expect off Mm. this kind of smaller base and you know part of that is probably just like you have got had, had now a couple of years of doing a fair bit of steady running so getting some fitness back should accumulate more quickly but also just that that thing of sometimes you don't need to do a huge amount to actually run quite well especially in these shorter distances Mm. so yeah it'll be will be interesting to see what i'll be able to do but i did i did do a mini session last week because i was running scared after your performance so i thought (laughs) i'd I'd better turn my legs over (laughs) turn my legs over at least so i did um five by 200 on a dirt road and i think i was doing them in about 45s which would have would have placed me behind you in that race. <laughs> yeah, but still on a dirt road though. Although, what, yeah. tell me the weather conditions weren't thirty five degrees. <laughs> uh, no, they weren't. It was quite warm, but it was it was in the morning, so it was it was probably high twenties. I think that's pretty good. But when you do yours, make sure that uh, if possible, you can choose weather conditions that aren't so challenging. Yeah, I'm going, I'm definitely going to do that. Given I, I'm almost 100% going to do a time trial because there doesn't appear to be any races available. I'll be choosing something early in the morning and the other advantage of that will mean if I go to the track, I'll be able to set up, if I do it really early, I'll be able to set up my camera so that we can have a look and see how well I'm moving after doing these little bits of technique tweaking and you know reinvigorating my strength program and so forth. So it'll be good, good evidence to prove that I actually did it, but hopefully... <laughs> <laughs> but also, I'm gonna. I think I'll set up the camera in the finishing straight, just so like on a lap to lap basis over those sort of seven laps, we can sort of see you know whether there's anything good or bad happening with my my running technique, which will be good. Mm. But yeah, you seem to be moving pretty well from the the video that you showed to me. Yeah, no, I'm quite. I'm feeling quite good. I'm back in the gym since I'm back at home, and yeah, just feeling quite strong but actually really pleased with again the training that I'm doing and look this wrist heart rate is just a phenomenon I know you've been talking about it for probably the past five years but uh, (laughs) no no um, I only got onto it uh 2017 um but it's it's changed my life yeah it's just been really nice even on my like recovery runs my warm-ups my warm downs just running to that heart rate, which I feel like is helping even the way that I move as well because I'm not overstressing my body, I'm feeling really strong, I'm being very conscious of when I'm running, just my you know movement patterns, not overstriding. And because I'm not doing any of that crazy speed type of stuff that I've previously done before and everything has sort of been in that high 350s to sort of low four-minute yeah. pace, I'm finding that for me a lot easier to control my movement patterns so I'm not falling into some old habits of hip drop and overstriding. So, you know, so far so good. It looks as though then it's translating to when I'm trying to run a bit quicker in races. Like 344s isn't earth-shattering, but, you know, I'm still pretty pleased that from, as I said, three weeks ago I was running over four minutes and it's basically dropped 15 or 16 seconds by just, doing the same type of thing so um it's it's a quite it's a nice little lesson and i am actually really keen to see how how your training translates into a time 
Yeah, me too. It's interesting you're talking about running at a lower heart rate threshold and how that helps you move a little bit better because that's exactly the strategy that I'm trying to employ at the moment with my run walking. So, yeah, I basically start walking once my heart rate gets to my aerobic threshold as defined by the the Phil Maffetone math formula. So, that's a kind of a proxy for your aerobic threshold or um, your ventilatory threshold. Got to get that's a bit of a mouthful that one. And staying in that range really does help you to move a little bit better. And having read and listened to Doctor Phil talk about all of that, that's that's kind of how he arrived at that that training pace as being something you should do your predominant workout because he was observing people at different heart rates running on the track, and he found once they got over that aerobic threshold that their gait sort of started to deteriorate a bit. So it does kind of make sense, uh, particularly if you're you know, tweaking your technique or coming back from a, a layoff to do a fair bit of your, your pace under that threshold just so you can move a little bit better. Yeah, and it just, look, I found from my own personal experience of, you know, coming back from injuries and illnesses before and just thrashing myself that, Sometimes it actually hasn't been that enjoyable and I'm finding this approach really enjoyable. No real injuries apart from this slight Achilles twinge that I'm trying to get on top of that uh, was more to do with my technique tweaking than anything. <laughs> it's not to do with volume. And I'm just finding that it's such a nice way to approach things and, and feel like you're making some progress. So, you know, I, I do still listen to podcasts and hear the whole, you know, no pain, no gain and you know, go out and run as hard as you can. And I, I really just struggle with that. Like, I, is it really a long-term solution? No, not really. And look, there's a place for putting it all on the line, but that's in the race, right? Mm, yeah. And I don't know, I'm not sure how that mindset starts to get changed i listen to quite a lot of podcasts i know you do as well and sometimes it that just seems to be um quite a consistent theme throughout uh, still in endurance sports and i think people who sort of persist with it into their like later 30s and 40s probably start to revise their strategy a little bit and and if they don't they probably exit the sport because you can get away with that approach when you're a bit younger but as the years go by, that kind of training approach is, is far more injurious and also, you know, subjects you to potential for burnout much more than what it does, you know, if you're in your 20s and early 30s. So, so yeah, if you are training that way and you're a bit younger, like enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, whilst you're injury-free or if you're finding that you're not injury-free, then, um, you know, sometimes you take two steps backwards, uh, you know, then to be able to go forwards and, yep, you may not get the results within, you know, a short period of time uh, when you're not killing yourself. But, you know, we all say that running is a patient's game and it's a long-term gain. And It is. If I have a look through back through some of my results, often those PBs or those good races come at the end of a 12 to 15-month training block. Unfortunately, I've never really been able to get over that next hurdle through illness injury or pregnancy yeah <laughs> but this is now a different point in my life where hopefully that will change yes. um so it would be really exciting to see and even hear from you know listeners and others out there that if they actually sit stop and reflect and as they've watched the years sort of accumulate just how far they've actually progressed that's true and the, on the flip side of that is People often deliver a good performance after a layoff, um, usually enforced by injury. And part of that is just, you know, you broke yourself um, and then your body had a chance to recover. And then after a small volume of training, you get back into it and, you know, lo and behold, all of a sudden you're running a bit faster than what you were before. So I think that accumulation game probably works for those who train very smart and very sensibly over a long period of of time um but i think for the most part <laughs> there's, there's there's probably people who tend to run well off breaks um usually usually self-inflicted breaks because they tend to overtrain a little bit both in volume and intensity but it's it is interesting at the moment i'm i think i mentioned last time predominantly run walking but i was getting into some longer stretches of unbroken running and that sort of continued uh last week but i did sort of reach a point where i was actually preferring to run a bit quicker and run walk rather than slow down to the pace that I could run 
aerobically at uh, during my unbroken running. So to kind of get five or six Ks of um, unbroken running, I've probably got to drop my pace back to about 540-ish kilometre pace. But it actually feels a lot better with my kind of revised technique and technique tweaking to actually run closer to five minute kilometer pace but of course when I do that at the moment I'm really not that fit using that movement pattern so I can usually only get a couple of minutes out of unbroken running before I have to have a little rest so I'm probably going to persist with the run walking a little bit longer just so I can do a little bit more movement at faster paces at least in the kind of short to medium term and I I kind of want to do that as well because if we're going to try and run a half decent 3k and a couple of 5k's I've, I've got to get my body used to moving a little bit quicker than sort of plodding along at closer to six minute kilometer pace so I need to kind of crank it up a little and this seems to be a, a safe way to do that. Do you know what's going to be interesting if you film or sorry when you film your 3k is seeing how your new technique holds up over that continuous running at that pace? Correct. Uh, I suspect it will probably break down <laughs> as the as the race goes on. But you know that's the game. Like, uh, say I do three or four really strong laps, then to me that's still progress, mm. um, even if it falls apart a bit towards the end. Like if I get if I get a good mile out or something like that, um, and I'm moving pretty well, well, that that would be progress, and I'd be pretty happy with that, even if I do fall apart a bit towards the end. So that's that would be quite a reasonable thing. So when is the big event? Well, I haven't given given I'm in control of it. <laughs> I haven't actually scheduled it just yet, but it's going to happen sometime next week. I would say I don't want to leave it for the last th- few days of January because I think I'd just be asking for trouble with potentially bad weather or life getting in the way. So I want to get one on the on the board probably towards the tail end of um, of next week to give my I'd need to give myself a little bit more of time to get a little bit fitter and maybe do one or two more mini sessions i'll probably do one at a kind of a threshold pace and that'll probably be an interval type one as well so maybe three or four minutes at threshold pace with some probably some walking in between and then i'll do another little 200 session just to to keep my legs ticking over as well and then i'll jump on the track and see how it goes yeah good well i'm really looking forward to it actually you reminded me of something something you said before just triggered this thought in my mind I, I was reading this article um, on runners tribe about ron clark the great australian runner so former world record holder over a number of distances and his response of, in a talk he gave to the glenn huntley athletics club many years ago about speed work was i just do my racing and that's my speed work like he just wasn't really into doing lots and lots of beat them up kind of training and yeah got most of his most of his actual speed work benefit through racing which is kind of what you're doing at the moment and is actually pretty much what I'm going to end up doing through this little period as well because um, those those three hard efforts like they're going to be hard training and hopefully you know get a good training response from those as well and I'll hook that up that article up actually in the show notes um, so people can have a look at it I, I just found that really interesting they have some good um, articles on there they do, they do, yeah, and, and they've got all of the old school running biographies on there. So, I, I think we mentioned that we'd both read some stuff about Peter Snell, uh, and I certainly sourced mine from the, from the Runners Tribe. And they've got biographies of Herb Elliott and a number of other athletics luminaries there. So, if you're into that sort of old school stuff, which which I am, I really like that. Um, yeah, look, I really like it too. Gosh, they ran fast. They knew how to train. They worked full time jobs. It was. Uh, yeah. Do you know, that would have been a fun era to be in. It would have, yeah. That would have been weird walking around in black and white all the time, I think. <laughs> Although you wouldn't have coped well in that era because the shoe uh, options were very minimal. <laughs> yeah, that's true, but maybe that would have been a good thing for me. It would have taken away some of the confusion and maybe I would have spent more time running around barefoot, which probably would have benefited me more than um, spending all, all that time in my childhood in my little shoe coffins. So. <laughs> Yes, we digress. Anyway, so we've kind of covered. Oh, actually, I'll just I'll just briefly mention my training last week with the, with the run walking and some unbroken running. I actually ended up getting about fifty k's out, so that was a reasonable amount of run walking volume over five sessions. And I did two two gym sessions um, during that week as well. So, what just briefly, Lisa? What was your training like over the last week or so? So. 
Another reason why I was pleased with my 3K time of 11.12 is I actually hit my biggest week of volume since pre-marathon again. So I hit 70Ks for the week and I'm going to stay at 70Ks now. In fact, I'm actually implementing the three on one off over the next few months and I'm actually going to take that into my marathon plan as well so I'm going to do another week at 70ks and then drop down to 40 but because I was still away on holidays I was able to get in just a couple of sessions again some fartleks but again you know average paces being just over those four minute k's and actually the rest of the week was just gentle jogging because we were driving home and you know just again that life sort of getting in the way so uh, last week was 70ks full of lots of gentle running you know I actually did a 14k's at 1553 <laughs> pace on one of the days um, and then that that 3k so I was really pleased with last week sounds good yeah it doesn't appear to be any pressing need for you to be adding more volume at the moment that's for sure no, no, absolutely not. I don't want to run anything additional. You know, like my Wednesday runs aren't even that long. As I said, you know, 14Ks. Uh, my Sundays are at about 16. And I'm just going to keep it at that for the next few weeks until I move into focusing on the half marathon. So I'm, I'm finding actually that the 70Ks, so when we were talking about that pre-marathon building phase, I'd never really run that type of um, volume before. And I found that really hard to build to and I was really flat for a while but now that I've that I've hit that it's now not as much of a I guess a big deal yeah and that's where you know we come back to what we were talking about before and that running really is just a patience game so you know I I did that last year I've now done that this year and it doesn't seem as difficult so my focus is just to get a little bit more speed now but keep that volume because I'm honestly just feeling really strong Uh, and now that I'm back home and I hit the gym I didn't get to do really much whilst I was away. (laughs) Excellent excellent and so this half marathon when's that gonna is that gonna be Canberra? Yeah yeah so I'm going to do Canberra with you although you're doing the marathon. (laughs) At at this stage. (laughs) Uh, Well at this stage I might be doing the half as well. Um, Yeah I reserve the right to downgrade that's for sure. Yeah I really enjoyed the Canberra event last year it was freezing Mm -hmm. cold and I I was a bit injured but um, I'm really keen to give it a good crack this year I feel like I've got a good base behind me it's not a terribly easy course but I'm I actually don't mind a couple of hills so um, yeah April 17 I think it is Uh, that sounds good so we're kind of doing two topics this week like we talked about three and 5k pacing so we can tick that box and the other topic we wanted to briefly discuss was just Last week, we were talking about strength training benefits. And one of the things you could do to kind of get started is to go to your local gym and get a program from there. But the other thing that you could do to get started with strength training, if you haven't been there before, or you're just getting back into it, is just to implement a basic body weight strength training program. So we thought we might just discuss what that might look like and comprise of after this. So, Lisa, bodyweight strength training, harder for me because I weigh more than you do to implement that strategy. So, I've got to manoeuvre my 75 kg frame um, in various contorted positions to do my, my bodyweight strength training. But, you know, jokes aside, uh, it's not as easy as it sounds to do some of these manoeuvres with, with no weight. No. Do you know, once after my hip surgery, uh, I was given you know, a huge amount of rehab and it was all body weight exercises they were some of the hardest exercises that I think I've ever done they I actually used to have to go to the gym and try and do them because I just would get too lazy and not follow through with them at home but can I tell you that the result of doing those um, three to four times a week was phenomenal Uh, and I'm not sure if enough credit is given to just using your own body weight yes definitely and Look, you've raised a good point. I mean, you had been given that program as a rehab-type exercise, so as a bit of a disclaimer before you run off and 
do some of the things that we're going to talk about now. If you are coming back from an injury or you have any other health concerns, probably good to run by what you're planning to do with with your physio, with your podiatrist, with, with your doctor, whoever the most relevant person is, and get a bit of advice about whether even some of these moves are appropriate for you. Because if you have been injured or you've got some habitual issue that needs managing, then some of these things might not be be right. So it's good to bounce that off a off a professional if you can. So strength training exercises. So I've got up in front of me about uh, it's a bit over a dozen exercises split into three different sessions. So that was like a program that I used to give to people who were um, trying to improve their running technique. So usually that was a strength training program of some sort was prescribed um, alongside any advice or instructions about actual movement and these sort of body weight strength exercises, usually the main purpose uh, is really about starting to train movement and to activate the kinds of muscles that you'll be using in your running and to develop um, stability and good posture. As we kind of mentioned in the last episode, if you're stable and you're strong enough to move from a good posture, then there's a better chance you're going to be able to express the kind of full power and strength that you're capable of in your running. So so that's why we would basically do these kind of body weight strength exercises. You're going to say something, Lisa? Oh, so I was so I was actually I was going to say um I think it's also good, you know, not everyone has access to a gym um, yes. either because of, you know, where they live or their financial circumstances. So, you know, just because you can't actually get somewhere that has all of the machinery and all of the weights absolutely doesn't exclude you from being able to still implement a weight um, type training regime into your current running training that, you've, that you're doing. Absolutely. And and also just the pure time-saving benefits. So I've got these like three sessions of about four different exercises outlined that you could do over the course of the week. So you could do three body weight strength sessions and you could actually combine them with your running session. So you could do them before and or after your run. So that's a lot more efficient than jumping in the car and going to the gym. You might be able to get through your your little body weight strength exercises in like five to 10 minutes max, um, which isn't a huge amount of time to add on to your running session. And in fact, you'd probably be better off chopping 10 minutes off your, run- off your running volume to do 10 minutes of strength training as a complement to your running. Mm, yeah, especially if you, you know, if you're looking for some of those gains, like, you know, I think instead of saying, right, well, I'm going to add an extra, you know, 2Ks or 10Ks a week, as you say, like, add in that strength training, add in two, and it, it, may take the same time as running an extra K, but I think the actual percentage of benefit that you get will be a lot greater doing the strength than just slogging out those junk miles. Absolutely. So in this kind of look, you know, this is this is not the be-all and end-all of what you could do because there's lots of different bodyweight strength exercises out there and I'm sure there'll be ones that I'd don't mention that people have come across and they're probably perfectly fine, but this is just an example for people that may not have dipped into this world before. So one of the key ones that is usually given to people starting out is just that bridging, that bridging exercise. So you're kind of like lying flat on your back and then you kind of um, with bent knees and then you push up into almost like a reverse kind of plank. So you kind of bridge up and that really works your glutes and hamstrings in particular. And and that's kind of like a an exercise that you can do as a static hold. And probably when you're starting out, that's not a bad place to start is just actually to bridge up and maybe hold that for um, 15 seconds, 30 seconds up to a, maybe you can over time, you might build up to a minute or something like that. And you can also do that basically as repetition. So you might do 10 bridges, let you raise your, raise your torso and hips up and down 10 times um, using that bridge with both legs on the ground. And you might think, well, what does that bridging relationship have to running? If you took a photo of yourself bridging and then flipped it on its side, you'd actually kind of look like the position that you would be in as you're pushing through that ground contact phase into hip extension. So it is actually quite running-like, even though you're lying down. Lying down is not a bad thing. (laughs) 
<laughs> now, and that bridge one, um, I actually find really quite difficult on my um, hips, hip that I've had surgery, but it's amazing how quickly you can improve and not by, you know, slogging out hundreds and hundreds of them. Have you said, do 10 quality ones and you'll yep. see some enormous improvements. Yes. And look, in that same sort of category of really basic, easy exercises, just doing body weight squats, that's a really good place to start. So you don't need to be using a barbell or any weight. But if you do want to squat using a technique that would prepare you for using a bar- barbell, you could actually just like grab a broomstick and just squat and pretend that the broomstick is is weight or is a barbell. It just gives you a little bit of focus and I find it probably helps me hold my torso in a more optimal position, stops me getting kind of lazy and allowing my um, my core muscles to kind of switch off and sort of trains you to not round your back, which is something you definitely don't want to do when you're doing your squats. So that's a good one that you could do. And, you know, I challenge you, like do do 10, 10 bodyweight squats. It's actually not that easy if you haven't been doing them. So, again, sort of building up with whatever's reasonable and that might be five might be 10 and over time you might be able to build up to do 40 sounds ridiculous the first time when you when you couldn't do five but eventually you might be able to build up to doing that amount of body weight squats and look another exercise you could throw into that first session would be some walking lunges and they're not that they're not that easy either and you know walking lunging can also be done with a broomstick across your shoulders as well just to kind of focus on your posture a bit as you do them but yeah you're kind of getting into that sort of deep really deep position and you've got to work pretty hard with your glutes and hamstrings to kind of get out of the lunge position and back up to kind of like a, a a fully extended position as you would during running so i find those ones really absolutely hammer my hamstrings i don't know about you lisa that um, i really don't like lunges all that much <laughs> uh, i don't like them on my dodgy side <laughs> but uh yeah they they definitely help so there's three and if you wanted to you could throw in like a little exercise for your um for your glute medius one of the stabilizers in your hip like just the clam exercise and that's just sort of done lying on your side and you just kind of like squeeze your butt cheek and that sort of brings your your knees away from each other and you know if you do 10 or 15 or so of those you should sort of experience a bit of a burning down the side of your your hip mm. and and that would be a that would be a strength session and you could you could do you could do that say twice um, or initially you could just do it once and you could do it twice and then you could maybe do it three times and you know that that would be it that's as simple as that you could get through that in 10 minutes mm, i was going to add the clams in that was an absolute favorite of of mine during my rehab and uh, i'll be honest i could barely do five when i first started they if you do them right i, I will actually say that if you do those clams right you will yeah. actually feel the burning like in your glutes some people have a yeah. tendency to just sort of lift from the tfl and even their quad yeah. and so they're sitting there you know doing like 50 clams they actually look like a clam flapping away with their legs but (laughs) that's it's actually incorrect so that movement if you even just put your hand or your thumb and sort of touch on your on top of your glute and slowly squeeze and have it as a quite a controlled movement both the up and the down you'll actually find that you get a much better um, first of all movement pattern and second of all result when you're actually um performing that movement yes that's that's very good advice um, and yeah it sound, sounds inelegant but you know if you think about squeezing your butt cheeks together then you, you're probably doing it right if, mm-hmm. if that's what's happening so um it's uh that's a that's a good one that you can do and it like that one's got a pretty easy extension you can add to it which is just to actually with yourself or maybe even get someone else to just apply a bit of weight to either your knee or your thigh um, and then just resist against that Um, and you could also do that with a like a rubber theraband or something like that if you wanted to add some extra resistance to it as well yeah i mean there's lots of modifications for all of those there is you might i might even i'm actually just going to add a couple more in there for just these types of exercises this is a really simple one like the push-up and not even on your toes. I I actually don't even do the traditional style push-up because I just have terrible form and I find that 
it's just not working for me. So, you know, on your knees or even having your knees and your toes on the ground and making sure that you're engaging your core so you're getting to work your core and then actually getting that nice slow full range of motion from your arms down to the ground and back up again. And again, 10 of those is all that you really need in a very slow and controlled manner. So then you're working that your core in there and then your arms and then also some planks. They're another very, very (laughs) easy one. which, uh, again, something I find quite challenging and there are so many different variations of a plank. You can do them on your forearms, you can do them straight arms, you can do them on your side, working your obliques and you can start with holding for 10 seconds, um, gradually increasing by 5 or 10 seconds. So, um, absolutely. Again, that's just a really easy all over body workout and then i'm, I'm going to call this session two lisa this, oh this okay is, i reckon this, i reckon this is because <laughs> yeah i've kind of got this you know like about four things i reckon is about as many as you could get through in that sort of 10 15 minute window so yeah. I, I reckon i've got this in I've got your planking i didn't have the push-ups in there actually so that, that was a good one that you you could add in into like a, a separate session of body weight exercises just to make it into a manageable chunk Mm. can i add one more into session two yeah this one for me really highlights if you have any inadequacies with your hips and it is so basic but if you're like me um, and probably many others it's actually quite difficult you 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 stand in front of the mirror sort of a little under hip width apart and you engage your core you engage um your one of your glutes and you simply just try and lift one of your legs and watch to see if you actually have a sideways movement or a drop Mm. in the hip. If you do, hold onto a wall until you can get that movement pattern so that you're actually strong and you're not dropping. And I can guarantee you do 10 of those on each leg and if you're doing it properly, your glute should be burning. Yeah, so I like that one. So that's like stand on one leg essentially. That's exactly what it is and... Oh my gosh, I've done so many of these, especially from hip surgery and the amount of frustration that I would get from this ridiculously simple exercise to try and execute even one correctly on my poor leg. It, it was a real challenge, but you know, it's it's one that really highlights where you've got some areas to work on as well. Definitely. And I like that one actually as a, a prelude to the other one that I was going to have in this session too, which was just single leg squats. So yeah, if you can't stand on one leg, as you've just described, then you're probably not going to be able to do a single leg squat. So master the one that Lisa's just described first. And once you feel like you're stable, then you can kind of move into that single leg squat and you don't have to squat super deep, but yeah, again, trying to control where your knee is going as you're squatting to make sure it doesn't sort of duck in too much. Try and keep your, your knee sort of tracking either over or outside the line of your, your big toe is probably a good benchmark. And to do that, you've really got to make sure that your glutes are switched on as you're squatting and that will give you that level of extra stability. And I really love doing the, the single leg squat on a kind of like a sloping surface. So if you've got one of those sort of like old school step Reebok type things, you can you can sort of take the legs off one end of it and then just kind of do your, do your single leg squats once you've built up to it on that kind of sloping surface find that really uh, a works the glutes but also put some focus on that um, medial quad the vmo so another sort of key stabilizer in that sort of running chain and the other one i had in there was monster walking that's Mm. always been a bit of a favorite of mine and that is a favorite (laughs) of yours (laughs) and and really probably in its most simple terms i'd describe that as is walking sideways in a kind of a almost like a, a squatted position so hips are a bit more flexed and knees are flexed and then you just kind of walk up and down the hallway for for 20 steps sideways and you can do that without any resistance and you'll still probably experience a bit of a burn in your hips but it's probably better done with a one of those therabands which you've probably been given from your physiotherapist or someone over the years when you've been injured mm-hmm. <laughs> um, i've seen people put the the band in different positions it probably doesn't matter too much but i, I tend to put mine just a just around my knees or just above my knees and then do it with a little bit of resistance from that. And again, that's a that's a real hip burner, good for that sort of glute medius uh, hip stabiliser kind of area. So that would be session two. And what else have I got? I've, I'm sure you've got a few more too. Uh, the third, session three that I would uh, do, here's some, some extra exercises. Single leg bridging. 
And yes. you know, so that's a progression that you can do off the double leg bridging. So again, you can do that one either as a hold or as a dynamic movement pattern. So that's a pretty simple one that you could put in. And oh, you've already mentioned planking. Did you mention <laughs> with a hip extension thrown in with a twist? Uh, no, I didn't mention the twist. Okay, so that one's planking, but you take one foot off the ground and then squeeze the glute of the leg that's off the ground and just kind of extend your hip slightly with that. It just makes it a bit harder and you get a bit of a glute workout at the same time. Makes makes you look pretty pretty fancy in the gym if you're doing it there so people will probably be impressed by that one um, <laughs> as well as that lateral that 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 lateral um, planking um, that you, I think you described the side planking that one's a good one to do as well people will be impressed by that especially if you do it with a, a hip abduction so taking your leg away so again you you kind of you almost look like you're doing star jumps on your side would that be a good way to describe yeah, it? Yeah I think so um, I understand yeah. what you're saying. And that, that one kind of then burns pretty badly in both hips so the one the leg the, the leg that you're taking away you're working your hip there um, but you're also working that hip that's on the ground pretty hard as well because you've got that extra bit of movement going in that your body's got to to try and tolerate but those ones are kind of harder ones so I wouldn't do those straight away those um those extension ones that we just described. Now, I think I need one or two more, Lisa. Have you got anything else you can throw into that last session? Yeah, I do. I mean, there is obviously quite a lot of abdominal type of exercises that you can do as well, but they're quite straightforward. But there's another one that if we're talking about sort of session three and a bit more advanced, I'm not sure the exact name of it, but again, you're on a single leg. Some people do this with a weight, but I think when we're starting out, definitely just do it as is. And you actually, you lean lean forward on one leg, your back leg is straight um, and you actually push your body down towards the ground and then you come back up and you can actually go into um, a running motion yes and yes like this one is advanced and i I can actually only do about five of these on my bad leg before i start to wobble all over the place and it is it is tricky and so this one should be done very slowly do you have a name for this one sorry I, i do i'm not sure if it's the precise correct textbook name but i call this one like a single leg back extension but i yeah i know what it is you're describing this i've seen this described as like a or similar movements to this as like a, a body snap as well. As, I think that's in Franz Bosch's book. Mm. And he's, yeah, essentially what you're doing is putting your hamstring under load when you have that kind of leaning forward phase of the movement and then you kind of squeeze your glute to sort of come back up to a more upright position, which um, is kind of like that, that extension phase in, in running. So it's a really good exercise, that one, and doing it without weight is challenging enough but yeah you can take that one to other places by by getting a barbell and adding some extra load on it but that's definitely a more advanced exercise (laughs) and be careful of those (laughs) careful of your hamstrings people (laughs) don't don't tear them no that's definitely more advanced and that one's a really nice one to do if you go back to sort of like session one and two and you're doing you know that single leg raise and just some of those single leg squats to build up all of that glute strength and that hammy strength it's something to really advance onto and then if you do these sessions and you keep up them regularly then you'll actually start to see that that one um, you become quite good at it but don't do that in session one no definitely not so yeah you've got to kind of listen to your body and start at the appropriate place and yeah, don't push yourself to do anything that you can't master too quickly. So yeah, there's three little simple body weight strength sessions that you could do three times a week, either before or after you're running. Mm. How about that? That's that's pretty easy. I think, you know, I'm, I'm actually still doing variations of most of those exercises once or twice a week on top of those heavier gym lifting sessions that I'm doing at the moment. So I especially don't want to lose track of those single leg exercises that we described because when I'm in the gym at the moment, I'm just being a bit of a meathead and trying to lift heavy stuff. <laughs> and I'm not doing that on single leg. So yeah, I still want to maintain that, that kind of stabilizer and coordination work that that body weight the body wake exercises that we've described is so good at doing. Yeah, do you know what I find? um, They're actually quite 
good to do too. So I don't love going to the gym and lifting heavy weights, but when I do, I often implement these into a program with lifting some weight. So, you know, for someone who maybe isn't as as strong as like I am, um, I might do one weights exercise and then I do a body weight exercise and then I move on to another weight exercise and then a body weight. And I find that that type of program complements uh, what I'm trying to achieve quite yeah. well. And yeah, you can implement it in any number of ways as only limited by your imagination really but definitely try them try doing a few of those before and after your runs and just sort of see how your body responds by doing a few of them before sometimes you can sort of activate and switch on some of the key running muscles and you might get a slightly different feeling when you go out for your run so it it can be a good a good part of your warm-up in addition to a little bit of walking and maybe doing some drills Mm. is to just some throw some of these body weight exercises in because you can do them well, I actually said that to you um, during the week, didn't I? I went for a run mm. on, I think it was actually Saturday morning, my sort of shuffle along run I wanted to do. And after about 700 metres, I was feeling pretty average and I just stopped. I did a couple of single leg squats on either leg. I got going again and I actually found that my rhythm and my movement pattern improved. So I stopped a couple of times along the way to do the same type of thing and I actually found that my next few steps after that were quite springy yeah. and I really enjoyed it so you know don't just fall into the habit of thinking I've got a 30 minute or 40 minute run today I'm feeling terrible I've got to slog it out like mm. it, you don't lose anything by stopping and um, throwing in a couple of squats here and there. No that's right I, I think it's that's a really important strategy for anyone who's um, you could just do it as part of your running anytime but especially if you're doing a bit of tech, technique tweaking that kind of approach um, works really well. Uh, and complements the walk-run strategy <laughs> quite well as well. So, uh, yeah, I might even throw a few more of those into my walk-runs over the over the coming week. Speaking of the coming week, so I, I heard a rumour that you're going to try and put another faster 3K time on the board, Lisa. You're not satisfied with <laughs> having got me running scared. Are you, you're going to just completely bury me. Uh, well, my initial plan was the Saturday that had just been I would reintroduce myself to the track because it's been a little bit of time and uh, I would actually, I was meant to do a 200 session on the Thursday, but because we were driving home, I was unable to do that. So the Saturday was sort of replicating that 200 session. And then this Saturday, uh, I was going to put my first official time on the board, but the organisation cancelled Saturday. So I thought, right, this 11.12 was going to be my official time. And then as of yesterday, they reinstated the 3K. So I'm I'm 50-50 at this stage. I'm just going to see how my how my body is faring as I said I've got a slight Achilles twinge it's actually starting to feel better I've been doing quite a few of those heel or calf raises and getting some ice onto my Achilles and I actually think my foot's just a bit stiff to be honest Uh, So I'm getting in to see my amazing physio, but um, I am conscious that sort of speed work and the track is something that can flare an Achilles up. So uh, that's why I'm still a bit 50-50 at the moment. I'll see how it pulls up. And and you've got me covered, let's be honest. (laughs) I don't think there's any need to take any risks. (laughs) No, no, exactly. So, yeah, so I'm I'm tentative at the moment on that. But uh, this week's just another solid week of training and uh, sort of hitting that 70K in one piece back in the gym and yeah then sort of looking forward to a bit of a down week next week sounds good and yeah i'm just going to move into trying to get a couple more mini sessions out um, before i do my time trial just to get the feel of what the the tempo that i might be able to run could be so i'll be doing that plus hitting the gym again just sort of been getting in that and doing those heavier lifting sessions every third day so it's not quite working out as twice a week it's slightly more than that but yeah my body seems to be happy to go and do another heavy lifting session on the third day after I've done Mm. one and I actually achieved my goal last week Lisa I did in fact squat over my body weight so I was doing 80 kilos wow that's awesome actually came up a little bit faster than what I thought it would I, I had 75 on the bar and I'm like oh this is actually feels like I could do a bit more so I threw 80 on and I was able to to get eight reps out so I was pretty pretty happy with oh that. you're flying in the gym well I actually visited the gym a couple of days ago and gave it a good sort of um scout around where all of the uh, pieces of equipment were and I even did some deadlifting I didn't need your uh strange deadlift machine because you've got 
the hex yeah, bar. Yeah, I didn't need to use the hex bar because unlike you, my hammies are probably too flexible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, do you know, I, I'm, like, I will say this, that I'm someone that goes to the gym and often does the classes, you know, the Pilates or the circuit or what have you. So to go down onto the floor where there's all of those pieces of equipment and sort of strange muscly men wandering around I sometimes find a bit intimidating (laughs) it can be a bit intimidating but you just go in there and claim your space you have every right to be there (laughs) so I went in on Monday and I I did do a little circuit but it was also a bit of a just learn where everything is remember how to use things so you just don't feel like you're a bit of a fish out of water (laughs) when everyone just seems to know exactly what they're doing so um, I, I was a bit out of my comfort zone but uh, I'm going to reacquaint myself and get there once a week for that heavy lifting to then, you know, match my Pilates that I'm doing and then my one yeah. circuit a week. So that's my goal in the gym, three times a week, but for three different types of yeah. workouts. Sounds good. It actually reminds me when I was doing my um, squatting the other day and I was very proud of myself about how much I was lifting. I, I looked into the squat rack next door and there was a guy there who was he was kind of like a mini rock. Oh, no. I don't know if you know that you're familiar with the uh, rock. Yes. Uh, <laughs> he's quite a muscly guy. So this guy was um yeah, he was he was pretty strong and he was kind of looking at himself in the mirror and he's like, God damn, I hate these mirrors. They make me look small. <laughs> oh, <my gosh. laughs> So, <laughs> and he was lifting a, probably about four times as much as what I was. Uh, oh. And I thought, oh, I think we might have ourselves a little, little bigger exhale problem here. <laughs> Gosh, how funny is that? Here I am lifting just the Olympic bar doing my deadlifts the other day. And I actually thought, God, I'm looking strong. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So it's all relative people. Yeah, there's always there's always someone faster than you. There's always someone stronger than you. Exactly. Um, so yeah, you just gotta be gotta be happy with where you're at, and try and find a sympathetic mirror with some nice light because you will look better. Uh, well, I'm rocking a three week holiday tan at the moment, so I think uh, the tan always makes you look a bit more trim, taut, and terrific, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't know. I, I suppose it probably could, mm. but. Um, Yes. All right. Well, I reckon we've we've nearly wrapped it there, Lisa. Introductory strength training tick and pacing strategy. We've ticked that off as well. Covered our little our little challenge. I'm running scared. I'm looking forward to reporting back on how I go with this next week of training with some faster running. Yeah, yet. and I'm looking forward to seeing your new technique video real life footage. Absolutely. Me too. <laughs> Well, we might leave it there. You have been listening to the Running Technique Tips podcast with Brian Martin and Lisa Biffin. We'll be back with you again next week.